Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Listen, the last time before the big day, I get to say Merry Christmas. Now, as Misty said, after service, there may be some snow waiting for you outside. And when we were planning for this, I thought, man, it's going to be 70 degrees outside. We're going to have snow on you know, Christmas morning, Sunday morning. And one of my friends, though, yesterday, or this week, she put, I don't care if I have snow for Christmas, but can I at least put on a sweater? And God is blessed. I'm wearing the sweater today, yeah? So when you leave today, it's going to be in the 50s, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to feel a little more like Christmas. Maybe not my Canadian Christmas, but it's a little more like Christmas, so I'm excited about that. But I am, I'm excited to last message before Christmas and all I want for Christmas, and so let's get going today. Last week, we ended, uh, last week I talked about a lesser known person in the Christmas story named Simeon. We talked about how Simeon was in this waiting period, right? And how God used this waiting period to show him that he always keeps his promises. Well, today we're going to talk about another person that leads up to the Christmas story that isn't always as known either. But I'm hoping you'll connect with the story today. Now, it's been said that to be human is to be inconsistent. What do you think about that phrase? To be human is to be inconsistent. Listen, all of us, we have spoken and unspoken standards or beliefs that we have that we have determined how we should live in life. We have beliefs or standards in how we believe we should treat other people. We have beliefs or standards in how we uh, think our work ethic should be. We have beliefs and standards in how healthy living should be. We have beliefs and standards how we should spend our money. We have all these standards, whether spoken or unspoken, all throughout our life. The problem is, how consistent are we with these standards? How consistent are we with these ways that we believe? How consistent are we walking out in our life who we say we are and what we say we will do? I mean, think about areas in our life like being a husband or a wife. We have a picture, we have a belief of how that should happen, but then we have good days and we have bad days, right? What about being a parent? We have an idea in our head. We have a picture in our head, a belief, a standard that we hold ourselves to, and we say, this is what a parent looks like. But then we have good days, and we have bad days. But friendship, inconsistencies in our friendship. We have a picture and a standard, a belief of how we should be as a friend. But aren't there times that we can be self-centered and about me? How consistent are we with who we say we are and what we say that we'll do? We're about to hit New Year's Eve, right? And New Year's Eve, what are you going to do? Everybody's going to have a few of those resolutions in your life, right? Where you're like, whether it be for, for work or whether it be for uh, 
healthy living, it could be about church, it could be about your money, whatever it may be, all of us are going to have a resolution or two to say, this is what we're going to do in the new year. But the question I already have to ask you is, how consistent are you going to be with those resolutions? How consistent are you going to be at living those out? Can it be said to be human is to be inconsistent? As I think about this, and I'm, I, I've read some kind of just articles recently on this, and, and, and it made me think about something. If humanity is inconsistent, how much more valuable, how much more do I need a consistent God? If who I am can be inconsistent, how much more do I need a consistent God? This is what I want to talk about today through our story. Because all through Scripture, what we see, the theme is inconsistent humans versus a consistent God. And so today we're going to look at a man who shows some inconsistency. And what it will show us is the byproduct of what an inconsistent life will be. The problem is his inconsistencies isn't with what he eats how he spend his time, his work ethic, healthy living. No, his inconsistency is going to be in an area that you and I also struggle with. What we're going to see is what inconsistency looks like in life, how inconsistency can affect our life when we are not consistent in our faith in an active way. What we're going to see today is that inconsistency in your ability to walk out your faith, how damaging that can be to your everyday life, and sometimes we don't even recognize it. Where we're going to go today is Luke chapter 1, verse 5. We've got a bunch to read today. What we're going to look at a man in Luke chapter 1 named Zechariah. Maybe you've heard of Zechariah, maybe you haven't heard of Zechariah, but Zechariah is a, is a man that was known to have high standards or beliefs in life. Throughout Zechariah's life, he said who he thought God was in how he lived out his life. But then something happened. And what we see and what we have to see is a picture not only for him, but often the picture we see of ourselves. And so I want to read Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Can I get reading? Here we go. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, listen, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is to never take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to their Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs of them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was complete, he returned home, and after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Okay, so this is the very beginning of Luke, right? And this story is leading into the rest of the Christmas story. If you keep reading, you'll see that. Well, I want to stop right here for this moment. I want to talk about this story and why I think it matters for us at this point, this Christmas, maybe for you personally in your life. What we see in this story is two people who, according to Scripture, they are blameless. They are righteous before God. Now, Zechariah's life goes beyond just being a follower of God. What is he? He's a priest, right? Now, to understand why or kind of what is going on in the story and why it's so important, we've got to understand this idea of what's going on in context with the priests, okay? In the nation of Israel, there were 24 different divisions of priests, it says in here that uh, Zacharias was the division of Abijah, right? These divisions would be all throughout Israel, and they'd be doing the work, uh, ministry in these local places, local churches, we'll say. At this time, it says that there approximately was about a thousand different priests per division, okay? So it could have been about 24 thousand different priests all through the nation of Israel serving people in context, you know, kind of like this, you get it, that, that they'd be doing the work of the Lord, they'd be servants of God. Well, they'd be in their own town most of the year, but once a year, these priests would take a two-week trip to Jerusalem. They'd take a two-week trip to Jerusalem because they would work in the temple, all right? In the temple, they would help serve, uh, help people serving, um, you know, their sacrifices. They would serve the temple in whatever needs that they would have. Well, one of the jobs that the priests would have 
is to go back into the holy place to keep the burning incense going. Now, this stuff will make sense, okay? So follow along with me. Is it, when I say the holy place, this was a section in the temple that most everybody couldn't go. The, the, the holy place was like the deepest part in the temple. How the temple would work, it'd be broken down into parts. There'd be the Gentile area where like the non-Jews could go. You go in a little bit more, there'd be a place where the women could go. You go a little bit more, there'd be a place where the men can go. You go a little bit more in the temple, it'd go a place where the priests could go. And finally, you'd get to this holy place of the temple that very few people could go. Remember, we are pre-Jesus. So it's in this place where the presence of God would reside. Now, Zechariah, being a priest... Every day when they were there for the two weeks, they would take lots to see who would be able to go into this holy place to keep the burning incense going. So you have these priests who would pray and pray and pray. They would hope and hope that they would be able to be the ones that could go into this place because some priests would never get to go in there their whole life. This was kind of the dream thing to happen in their life. Well... As we have it in our story, Zechariah is chosen. I believe God orchestrated, Zechariah was chosen. And what we see while he's in there is the angel comes. Now, remember, this angel will be the same angel that comes and talks to Mary, the mother of Jesus, very quickly. That God is sending this angel Gabriel to make some announcements. And so he's in there and he gets this incredible information. Now, if you and I ever had an experience with an angel, it would be incredible, right? Like, how can you even speak of what that would be like? But this experience with an angel actually has layers of why it's important. There's layers of what's going on here. If you remember... Um, last week, I talked about, as I said, Simeon, and we talked about the waiting time that Simeon was going through, the waiting time of the Jewish people, that there was this moment in history, this time period we're talking about, the people had been waiting for God to do something, waiting for God to speak to them, waiting for God to, to rescue them, waiting for God to send the Messiah. They were waiting because there was this period between what we have is the Old Testament and now the New Testament, like 400 years of God. Where are you? Where are you? I need you. We're waiting for you. And Zechariah is another person that is in this waiting period. But that's not his only issue. What's his other issue? Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had waited their whole marriage and they could not have a child. Now this is difficult for anybody. And anybody that struggles with this right now, we're in, in our day, this, would, this is always a painful thing. But there is baggage on baggage with that in this story. Because there's a lot of shame that is carried at this time of why don't you have a baby? 
I mean, look, we've got Elizabeth and Zechariah who are both part of the priestly family tree. These people come from some godly family. Why don't they have a child? What is wrong with them? Why hasn't God blessed them? This is what they've been thinking. This is what people would have been saying to them. And now they're in their older age, and I have to believe as I read this story, they probably have given up. They're older. I guess we're not going to have a baby. And with this comes confusion, with this comes sadness, but I also think what comes with this is just they've come to grips with this is just what our life is going to be. They probably had prayed and prayed and prayed and hoped and hoped and hoped. It just had never happened, so they just are settled in the way life was going to happen for them. But then the angel tells them what? You're going to have a baby. And this should be phenomenal news, right? This should be life-changing news. And I don't know how I would have responded if I was Zechariah, but we see his response, and I want to go back to the beginning, because what we see is an inconsistency in who Zechariah says he is. What we see in this moment is to be human, is to be inconsistent with living out who we say we are and what we say we believe and what we say we will do. Because Zacharias says something that is so inconsistent with who he says that he is. This angel gives him a life-changing message and you see what his response is. He questions it. His first response is to question the angel, to doubt the angel. How can I be sure of this? How do I know this to be true? This is his first response. God has a message for him. God wants to speak something to him. And his first response is, is this true? I'm not sure I can trust this. Now, on one side, I get this. Because, listen, I've been there. Have you been there? Have you been in this seat before, wanting something, waiting for something, praying for something, hoping for something? But you're like, it's probably not going to happen. And maybe you wonder if God's saying something to you, but you're like, how do I know if that's true? How do I know if I can trust that? So, so I get that response on one hand, but then there's the other side. Then there's the other side. Him struggling with this belief of can they have a child, I get it. But then I have to remember, Zechariah would have known the, some of the most, or all of the most famous stories in the history of the Bible. And Zechariah would have known one of the most important stories of their people was the story of Abraham and Sarah. You know the story of Abraham and Sarah? 
Abraham and Sarah are the parents of the nation of Israel. They're the parents of the people. They would have been so important to Zechariah and the rest of the people. And he would have known that Abraham and Sarah would sat in the same seat as them, that they were really old, they didn't have a child, and then God came and told them, in your old age, you would have a child. And what did God do? Gave him a child. Zechariah would have known that story. But the problem is, I see in this story, is that even though Zechariah knew about that moment, knew the truth of who God was in that moment, all that mattered to him was what was happening to him in this moment. Not what God had done, but what was happening right now. That's all that Zechariah could focus on. God may have done but do I believe that God will do for me? And so what I see is Zechariah struggled to walk out his faith in a practical way. What I see is Zechariah struggled to have a faith that was one of action versus just one of knowledge. I think of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And this story is really interesting to me as you lead into Christmas because I look at them and I can almost, can I relate with them? Can I feel what they're feeling? And I begin to wonder. I, we can't know every detail about every person's life, the behind the scenes, but I do wonder. Did Zechariah and Elizabeth get so used to sitting and waiting. Remember last week, what, Becky, I said, there is a part of the waiting for God that's really important. Because in the waiting, God always fulfills his promises. And we need to trust that. But I wonder if the waiting becomes all that we ever do in life. The sitting and then the comfortable and then the just almost maybe even giving up. This is just the way life is going to be. I wonder if Zechariah and Elizabeth, there's like, this is just our life. And can't that happen to us sometimes? That we can almost give up in life sometimes. Of just We pray and we pray and we ask God for things, but then you don't see it happens, and so you just kind of say, this is life. And you almost get comfortable with God isn't going to move. God isn't going to do. You just start believing that maybe nothing's going to happen. I just need to get used to it. And then what happens is when God actually, when the timing is right and he begins to speak to us, our response isn't ready to be one of action. Our response has gotten almost dormant. Our faith has become so inactive. And I wonder in this moment, catch this, I wonder in this moment if Zacharias struggled to walk in his faith for his future because he had forgotten what God had done in the past and had become so consumed with his present. 
I wonder if Zachariah and Elizabeth, specifically Zachariah though, his faith had become so dormant, so inactive, that he knew who God was, he had standards and belief of who God was, but he had forgotten maybe who God had been in the past. And so, he only became consumed with what his present was. And almost that he was left in this place of just continuing to wait. And he would have said, God, I trust you. He would have said, God, I have faith in you. He would have said, God, I give my life to you. But when God began to speak to him, his first response was, do I trust this? Do I believe this? And I just wonder, is there something we can learn from Zechariah in this story that has happened to us? Is there something we need to learn from this story as we walk into Christmas, we're almost at Christmas, that this has happened to us, this inconsistency of who we say we are versus what we actually do? Is there something in us that our faith has become dormant, that it's not being acted out, it's not being worked, it's not being used, we're not actively trusting God every day, we're almost like the people who just sit and we're just waiting for God to do something. And when God actually speaks, he's like, I want you to do this, we're not ready for it. Because we're so comfortable sitting and waiting sitting and just knowing, but not really working out our faith. I wonder what happened to Zechariah. Once again, I'm filling in some blanks. I realize that. But what I see in Zechariah's story, I wonder if what happened to him happens to us. Well, the story continues and he comes out of the place and he can't speak. He can't tell people what's going on. And he spends his two weeks there. And when his two weeks are up, he goes home. And can you imagine what that would have been like going home? Because when you left, Elizabeth could talk to him and he could talk back. And now he's home and she can talk and he can't talk back. Maybe a blessing, right? But he can't tell her what went on. But you see what happens. He goes home and what happens? Elizabeth gets pregnant. What the angels said would happen did happen. Even though Zechariah struggled to trust and walk out his faith and believe, and it still happened. Now listen, so there's a break in the story. And if you read Luke chapter 1, you'll see now Luke kind of steps away from this story and we've got Mary's experience with Gabriel. We've got the experience of Mary and Elizabeth who are cousins and they meet each other and uh, they come together and they're both pregnant now and they've got all their stories and Mary writes a poem or a song and, and, and just you can read it this week as you walk into Christmas. It's great. But, but he, Luke walks away but then he comes back. And I want us to see how this story ends. Verse 57. 
It says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives that has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, what did he say? His name is John. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Listen, whether we realize or not, this is an incredible ending to a story. This is an incredible story heading into Christmas. Because what I want this story to do for us today is to be a reminder to us that even when we are inconsistent in how we walk out, live out, actively listen, follow God in our faith, even though we are inconsistent with this, God is always consistent with what he does. There's a tension in this story that shows us this is who we are as humanity and this is who God is in being God. The first part of the story, I want us to grab a hold of this idea that Zacharias said he was this, a servant of God, a priest. But when God pushed him, he struggled to say, God, I believe you. Yes, I'm going to walk out in faith. His first response was to doubt. But God, in his love and his mercy and his grace and everything that God is, he didn't let Zachariah's inconsistency affect his consistency in his life. Because we see everything that the angel said would happen, would happen. And what I want us to grab this morning is, listen, I don't know where your faith is. I don't know where you sit right now walking into this Christmas season. I don't know if this year has been really tough and your faith has taken a beating and you're having a hard time really trusting God. I don't know what your circumstances have been. And maybe you can really resonate with Zechariah that just you've been in this place of like needing, wanting, hoping, and it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. And so you've just gotten comfortable. You've just gotten used to. You come to grips with maybe nothing would change. But maybe, maybe this Christmas, through this story, There can be a reminder to you that God is still working. Maybe this Christmas can be a reminder to you and I that even while we struggle with our faith, even when we're inconsistent with walking out our faith, that God is going to be consistent to always follow through on what he has said he will do. That what, what I, when I read this story, what I see is that God is always consistent to hear our prayers. 
Do you know that sometimes we pray and pray and pray and you eventually can get to a point where you begin to wonder, does God even hear my prayers anymore? What this shows me is that even as Zachariah struggled to walk out his faith, God was consistently hearing his prayers. And maybe you need to be reminded of that consistency today. That God is hearing your prayers and you need to keep believing that he's hearing your prayers. And maybe he actually is saying something to you in your response in response to your prayers, but you have gotten in your mind I've just gotten used to, but maybe God is responding to you in your life. Maybe he is saying something to you but you're struggling to hear it because you've just gotten used to. Nothing has happened. What I learned from this story is that God always hears our prayers. Now listen, the second thing I learned from this story is that, is that God always holds us accountable. And that may be like, Scott, what do you mean by that? He always holds us accountable. Let me tell you something. This, unique, this story is unique to Zechariah. Him being silenced is a very, very unique thing. That obviously doesn't happen to all of us, right? But can I tell you something? God wants to hold us accountable. Do you know why? Because he wants to get a hold of us and bring us back to a place where we can hear him back to a place of relationship with him. Accountability is less of a punishment and more of a loving way for God to keep his hands still on us to say, no, I've got more for you. In this story, Zechariah loses his voice. I don't view this as a punishment. I view this as God continuing to do a work in him because there was something he had to learn and grow into. He had something for him, and this accountability was not something against him. It was something for him. Oftentimes we read and we feel like accountability from God is a negative when really it's another loving act of God working in our life. And I look at this story and I'm like, God, you always hear my prayers. God, thank you that you will hold me accountable because the third thing is really important and that is that God is consistent to always restore my faith. The moment that the baby was born, and Zechariah followed through on what God told him to do. What happened? His voice came back. I think in this moment, his voice was not only restored, but his faith was restored. That God once again showed him, listen, I heard you. I had to hold you accountable for your purpose, for your good. Because I wanted to restore your faith that I was still working Maybe you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and maybe you just feel the beat down of life and your faith has been somewhat tattered, has been somewhat torn, has been somewhat burned out and you're like, I don't know if I can believe what God wants to say and do in my life. But, but maybe this Christmas through this story, there's something that can turn in you where you just say, God, okay, you've been faithful in the past. 
I know you've worked in my life and other people's lives in the past, and I'm going to remember that. I'm going to trust that you hear my prayers. I'm going to trust that you are still working, and I'm going to trust that you're, as you work, you're going to restore my faith back in you. Maybe you're walking into Christmas, and your faith is not as what it was maybe a year or two years ago. And maybe God's like, I want to restore this. And so as our last Sunday before Christmas, I just want to challenge you. Is there something that God is speaking, doing in your life that your response needs to be, okay, I just trust you, God. I'm not going to doubt you. I'm not going to question you. I'm not going to be comfortable with just like, life is life. I'm going to trust that you want to do a work, that you are doing a work, that you have been faithful in my life and you're continuing to be faithful. Is there something that's going on? And right now, this morning, God wants to restore your faith back to him. And it's not going to be through something even that I am saying this morning. Just there's a voice in your head, in your heart, in your soul, in you that right now that God is speaking, I want to restore your faith. You can trust me. You can trust me. This year was hard, but you can trust me. I've heard your prayers. You can trust me. I am working. You can trust me. And maybe our faith can move from a passive place to an active place. We just say, God, okay, fine, I trust you. Maybe Zachariah's life can help us to get back to the place that God wants us to be this Christmas. We just say, honestly, all I want for Christmas is for my faith to be restored. And God says, that's what I want for you as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to end in worship because we end in worship. If there's something that you just need to say, God, I trust you with, I want you to actively do that. We sometimes do it through coming up front, and you're welcome to do that. You can do that in your seats. But if there's something in your life right now where God's been trying to speak to you, just trust me with this. May your response not be, how do I know this to be sure? Your response will be, God, thank you. I'll trust you in this. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for stories like Zechariah. Thank you that you show us that we don't have to be perfect for you to still work. That God, to be human is sometimes to be inconsistent, but you are always a consistent God. And God, I pray this morning that you would speak to your people and remind us again of how faithful you have been and how you want to be that continually in our life. God, I know there are people in this room. I know there are people watching and listening today, God, whose faith has been tested. And God, maybe for Christmas, the biggest gift you can give us is just to restore our faith that we can trust you. 
that we don't have to just sit and wait. We can actively trust you with something in our life today. God, if there's somebody today who just, their active faith is to give their life back to you. That they have walked away from you and they actively need to come back and say, God, I give you my life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for giving me through Jesus. And God, I give my life back to you. If that's the act of faith, God, I pray that people would respond that way. But maybe, God, there's people who, there's, there's, there's doubt that's crept in. And they say they trust. They say they believe. But there's something in their life right now they're not trusting you with. God, I pray that you would move, you would speak, you would break us of our doubt this morning and that we can trust you completely. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.